Today our scripture lesson comes from the the great passage on love, 1 Corinthians 13. Let's share in God's good word together. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Love never ends. Isn't that good news? Amen. Love never ends. That is awesome. And so I had the audacity um, to say how to stay in love forever. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I want you to know that this is true both for your significant relationship, for relationships um, maybe that you have in your extended family or work life, and it's also true for your relationship with God. How do you stay in love with God forever? How do you stay in love with someone else forever? How do you do that? It's not easy, but it can be done. Now, last week, um, Pastor Brandon taught us about how to find love. And so here's, here's the thing why this is so important. Every year we do um, two or three weeks on relationships around Valentine's Day to remind us about what love is really about. So last week, uh, we reminded ourselves that relationships are the single best predictor of well-being and longevity. Will you say that with me? Relationships are the single best predictor of well-being and longevity. That's quite a statement. We know that if you love well and are loved well, you live longer, you live better, you live happier. It's just the way we were made. We were made to be in relationship with God and with one another. Love God, love others. That's basically the entire commandments of the Bible. But Arthur Brooks says it like this. He says, the love you want in your life, it's not going to make itself happen. It's just not. You're not going to accidentally fall into love. Love is something that you work at. right? It takes action. If you want traction in your relationship, you have to have action, right? Action for traction. That's the way it works. So this week, the greatest gift of the Spirit is not faith, the Scripture says. It's not prophecy. It's not even power. But what? Love. It's love. The greatest gift of the Spirit, the greatest gift of God is love. And, of course, we see that perfectly on the cross. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says this, And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. And the greatest of these is, say it with me, love. Now, you know as well as I do that this is not romantic love. There's all kinds of love. But when we talk about love here, when love is talked about in the Bible, when when Jesus or God talk about love, it simply means this, that love is engaging the will for what is best for a person. Love is engaging the will for what is best for a person. And when we say will, what we mean is your heart, your, your will, your picker, right? What you choose to do, what you choose to turn your mind towards. And so, again, it's not about a romantic love. It is about the choice and the action to do what is best for the person in front of you. And say, so, okay, well, well, why is this important? Well, because this is really the core of the gospel, that it is God's will for us to love each other. To always do the next best thing for the other people in front of us. And so we ask God questions like, well, how do I do that? How do I love that coworker that is on my last nerve? How do I love this person in my family um, that has really hurt me deeply? 
how do I do, how do I choose my will to love someone else? Well, again, it doesn't just happen. It's something that takes great effort. We can't earn another's love. We can't earn God's love. But it does take our best effort. It takes our strength. It takes our intentionality, our vision, our intention. And we have to have a way to do it. And so today I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about some tried and true, studied ways that we know actually help people to be in love and stay in love. So in the Gospel of John it says this. I give you a new commandment that you, say it with me, love one another. Are you catching the theme by now? Yeah, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And this, again, this is important because relationships are the single best predictor of well-being, but also of well-doing, right? We can do much more together than we can do apart. Let me say that again. We can do much more together than we can do apart. That love, it's for our own well-being, but it's also for the well-being of the world because it empowers our well-doing for others because it is that choice to do what, the next best thing for the people around us. So I, many of you all know that Chantel and I were in some continuing education this week, and the, one of the presenters was Jan Johnson, and, and she, she taught us about love. She taught us about hearing God and how to discern the very voice of God and how you know when you're on track and when you're not and, and all those things, and, and this was one of the things that she taught about that I want to share with you, and that is that God often does not tell us which way to go or what to do, but what to be, full of love and integrity. Now, as a pastor, I see this all the time. People are just like, well, I don't, I don't know that I believe in God or I don't believe in prayer because I asked God you know, to tell me what to do and God didn't say anything. Well, that happens sometimes because sometimes God lets you decide what you want to do. What's more important is who you are. It's not so important what you do. It's, it's who you are. And, and our goal here is to help you become the kind of people that want to choose to do the next right thing for other people. It's not a prescription where you have to get in line and do these things. It's who are you becoming? Because that's what lasts forever. That's what goes to heaven. It is your character, who you really are, your essence. That's what's important. Who are you becoming? So God doesn't tell us. No, he doesn't tell us which way to go often or what to do, but what to be, how to be full of love and integrity. In the Gospel of Matthew, we start to learn how to stay in love. Uh, with God and with others. So in, in Matthew 6, um, it's, it's going to say this. Oh, back up. God is first. Will you say that with me? God is first. Now, you may say, well, I thought we were talking about, like, how do you love your spouse? Yes. God is first. The only way you can love your spouse well is if God is first. And I see this over and over and over again, particularly with young couples. Some of the, when it starts to tear at the seams and go away, you know why? Oftentimes it's because they put their spouse first. They put their spouse first. And what happens when you put your spouse first? They fail. Because you're looking for a mortal to do something that only God can do. If your spouse is first, you have put them in the place of God. Which means they have to now perform all the acts of God. Like un- unending love. Any of y'all going to pull that off? Unending forgiveness, you can pull that off. Wisdom, unending. You can pull that off where you know everything to do for every child, every person, every moment. No. When you put your spouse first, you are committing them to failure. For them to disappoint you and fail in front of you. So whatever you do, turn off the rom-coms and do not put spouse first. 
Don't put your girlfriend, your boyfriend first. Don't put another, any other mortal on the planet first because they will crash and burn. And they're going to be mad at them and disappointed. You're like, oh, I can't believe that. And you're going to go to the next person. And, and, and I see this all the time. You, you marry another person. You expect them to be God. And guess what? They're not. And they fail and they crash and they burn. And then you wonder why your picker's off. Your picker's not off necessarily. It's that God's not first. God is first. Now, of course, that's also true for your relationship with God, right? Have no other gods before me. God is first. That's the only way that you're going to be in love and stay in love forever. Because there are certain things that only God can do. So Jesus says it like this. He says, therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles, people outside of the faith, who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Yeah, God knows that. He says, but strive first for what? The kingdom of God, for the things of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you as well. Because when God is first, God takes care of everything else. It's a matter of priority. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen? It is. So Dallas Willard, uh, one of the great mentors in my life, would say it like this. The first act of love is always giving of attention. So first, God needs our attention. And once God has our attention, God will show us how to love our spouse, our significant others, the other people in our lives well. We give God our attention, and then we pay attention, and we go out and love to the world. So God is first. Then, equally important, your primary adult relationship is, say it with me, second. Second. God and then that, that person that you want to stay in love with forever. And this is important. Because in many families in Edmond, Oklahoma today, you know who's second or even first? Your kids. Children. And if you think that your spouse can't stand up and lead the family, you better believe that your four-year-old's not going to. Right? Right? But I see time and time again families who their time, their calendar, their finances are all focused on a child under 18. And then they they don't understand what happens when the child goes to college and the world blows up. Because the child has been in the front and center of the family system for years. So God is first, but your primary relationship is second. God first, that next adult relationship second. Because Man, that's way too much weight on the kids. Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg, they put it very pointedly. They say it like this. To put your marriage on hold for 18 years or even one year while you raise children is not only detrimental to your marriage, but is also devastating to your children. When the parental team breaks down, children become the biggest losers. Chantel and I have had friends whose parents decided to wait until the kids were out of high school to divorce And we were with our friends as they thought about killing themselves because somehow they hadn't held their family together. And they wept and they mourned and they wondered, what in the world did I do that mom and dad couldn't stay together? You see how this works, how that all gets twisted. It gets messed up in people's minds. God first, that adult relationship second. And we let the kids be kids. We actually parent them. We help them set boundaries. We give them good reasons to leave the party that they should have left an hour ago. 
right? Because you're on your way to pick them up because they didn't call you, so you're going to them. You're checking their phone. It might be embarrassing to them, but you also might be really saving them because they're kids. They're not adults. They need time to be kids. And I would submit to you that it's harder to be a kid today than ever in the history of the world. The things that they get in real time are things that many of our children maybe should never see. It's not good for their souls. It's not good for their relationships. It's hard on them. It's hard to be a kid these days. We have to protect them and bless them and raise them in a way that leads to life where they know God is first and God will care for them. They can look to adult relationships that are healthy and good and they can move forward. So priority, God first, adult relationships second, kids third. Now, in my family system, my dad was even harsher than that. My dad was like, nah, kids are not third. Like, my relationship with my work and my colleagues is third. I don't know really where we were, maybe 14th. No, I think we were fourth. I'm pretty sure we were fourth. But dad always did it like this. He goes, think of it in times of, of, of length of time. I'm going to be with God forever. So doesn't it make sense that that ought to be where my first priority is? Because that relationship never ends. Might want to get that one right. He said, the second, he would talk to me like this. He said, son, because it always kind of bothered me when he would do this sermon. And I'm like, dad, come on. Like, I got to move up the line here. And he's like, no, no, no. Your mom and I, she's going to be the next relationship that I have in length of time. I'm like, okay. And he says, and then I'm a member of the annual conference of the United Methodist Church. And, and I'm going to do that for more than 50 years. But you and your sister, it's like 18 years and you're out. Like that, that's just kind of how we looked at it. I don't necessarily recommend that. But um, I'm, I'm learning what he means by that. I mean, you really do have to look at how are you going to spend the rest of your life? Invest there. And the reason I say this is because love takes time, doesn't it? It takes priority, but it also takes time. Many of you all know that our church is named after the book of Acts chapter 2, right there in the Bible. And, and we're trying to pattern ourselves after that early church. We, we believe that if we do the things that the early church did, that God will bless it again. We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And if you go on into that scripture, it says this, day by day, as they spent much time together. Well, how much time is that? Much time together. I don't know. But that's a lot of time. I mean, this is first century people. And they spent much time together in the temple. And then not only that, they broke bread at home. So they're together in the temple worshiping. But they're also then when they leave church, they're also still together. Just getting to know one another, helping one another with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. Not just their church people, but all people. They looked at them and they said, wow, I want what they have. Look how they love one another, how they prioritize one another, how they bless one another, how they take care of one another with their generosity. No one in need. No one in need. No one without food. No one without shelter because they made sure that every person they were connected to was blessed because they had more than enough to share. So they did. So you might ask yourself, as I do when I read one of those passages, well, what does that mean today? I mean, how much time do you really need to spend to make sure that your relationship is strong? Well, I grew up, I have a psychology minor from undergrad, and so I, I, since really the 80s, I've been reading Psychology Today. And in 2021, Psychology Today came out with a report that said about the minimum number of hours needed to connect each week. Number of hours needed to connect each week for you to stay together. Anybody know that number? Come on, therapist, you know this number. It is six. 
But it's not just any six. It's a particular way of, of these six hours, of spending this time each and every week. And if you do these things, it's very, very likely, like high 90 percentile, that you will be in love and stay in love. But you got to do it, right? Because it takes action to get traction. So, and you can Google this, by the way. There's a lot more to it than I can share here in this, this quick sermon. But they call it the magic six hours a week. Um, Julie and John Gottman, they have uh, what's known as the Gottman Institute. They even have a whole graph. You can just like print it off and stick it on your fridge. And you can, you can learn how to do this. You can be in love and stay in love. Um, and this is true um, for really many different kinds of relationships. It doesn't just have to be husband and wife. Um, again, this, you could put this with God. The same sorts of things apply. So the first thing is, and this happens with anybody that lives together, is at some point you wind up saying goodbye. You're going to go out for the day, right? And so they call it partings. And so just two minutes a day, it's not long, but two minutes a day before you leave the house, doesn't it make sense that you would ask the person that you live with, hey, what are you doing today? Where are you going to lunch? Are you excited about anything today? Are you dreading anything today? What, you know, what's going on with your day? Just a very quick check-in, right? So we say goodbye in the morning before work, and, and you take at least these two minutes per day, just a quick, quick send-off, just a quick check-in about your partner, what they have in store for that day. And I know what you're saying. I leave earlier. They leave earlier. They, I mean, you got you to gotta ask yourself, what's more important? 20 more minutes of sleep or your primary relationship? And for some of you with small kids, yes, 20 minutes of sleep is the answer. For, for a bit. I know. I know. So partings is one. And then you can guess the other side of that, and that's when you get home. Now that takes longer. About 20 minutes a day. And these are some of the most important minutes of all day. It's also like what they call the third rail, right? High power intensity stuff. And so you have to be really careful with it. Because oftentimes, if you work like I work, when you come home, you are whooped. I mean, you're just exhausted. You've poured into people all day as best you can. You're emotionally drained. You're physically drained. And you're just ready to be done. And that is a good recipe for disaster. You have to have intentionality where you actually have at least 20 minutes left in you when you hit the house. And then you come back together at the end of the day. And you may, you may have to set a timer to start with this. And so you know what you do when you get home? Shocker. You give each other a hug. And... If you really want to do this well, you have a six-second kiss. Now, six seconds is a long time when you think about kissing. I mean, think about this. One, two, three, four, five. Don't count while you're kissing. That's gross. Six. Right. But that's a, that's a long kiss. John and Julie Gottman, you know what they, you know what they call that? They call it a kiss. With potential. <laughs> I like that. The other way they talk about it is it's a kiss worth coming home to. Right? Pecs are great, but a kiss with potential is even better. 20 minutes, just how was your day? And sometimes you really can just complain to each other, like, you know, it really wasn't that good. This person that's been sort of yucky all week, they're still yucky. Like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, you know. And, and so you just spend that time. So that's 20 minutes every day, five days a week when you're coming home. Then um, the second thing is, and you would might 
you know, expect this, five minutes every day, you simply tell one another what you admire about them, how you appreciate them. Just five minutes. Doesn't take a long time, just five minutes a day. And, and you say things like, you know, I really, really appreciate you making dinner tonight. I love your cooking. It is always delicious. And so you think about what you're going to say. It's not just like, hey, thanks, as you woof down the meal. Right? You're, you're actually showing appreciation to one another. Someone said, well, I really appreciate you bringing you know, the meal home. Or I really appreciate the way you provide for our family. Or I really appreciate the way that you cared for the kids today or the way you cared for your parents today. I really appreciate that you took the dog for a walk. They've been driving me crazy. Whatever it is, you're showing specific appreciation and admiration to that other person. Doesn't take long. But that consistency is super important. Five minutes a day. And then, um, you know, some folks really enjoy this one, guys. Physical affection, right? Gary Chapman talks about love languages. Uh, Physical touch is one of those. And so, but here's the thing. A lot of people are just starved for physical affection, you know, particularly when the kids are small. But it, it, it's, it only takes five minutes a day. It can be all at once uh, or it can be sort of over time. And that can be something simply as, as easy as holding hands while you watch TV or maybe cuddling up before you go to sleep or, you know, a couple of hugs. But this, this physical connection is important for relationship building and maintaining both. All that's important. And again, not long, but I'll tell you what, fellas, that five minutes of admiration and appreciation gets you a lot closer to that five minutes of affection, right? Those actually go together, right? This is how this works, and right? You're connecting. And then, um, this will not, again, this is nothing new to you, uh, but this is how you do it. You actually have a date once a week, at least two hours. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I tried this, and we hated it because we went out and we talked logistics. Like, who's going to take care of the kids here and there? We started arguing over the meal, and it was too expensive. They were talking about finances, and, oh, it's tax season. And, then, and we, like, we hate our date nights. But that's not a date, right? Did you ever do that on your first date? No, of course not. You would never do that. So uh, guess what? A date is a date, Right? You don't talk about the hard stuff. You don't talk about the yucky stuff. You just are present for one another. Two hours. It doesn't really matter what you do. And again, I know, for those of you with young ones, you're like, hey, like, this is crazy talk. There's no way we can get out every week. You don't have to get out. Just put the kids to bed. Tell them, you know, this night, you're going to bed an hour early. And you know what? You don't have to sleep, but you're not getting out of your room. Right? Just, there you go. We'll see you in the morning. That's it. And then you have time. You've got two hours of uninterrupted time with one another for you to fall in love again. For you to actually be there for one another. And again, if you have that two hours, cuddles are more likely. Right? That's how this, all this works together. But then you say, well, we got to talk logistics. Yes, you do. But not on that night. You have another night or day where you spend one hour talking logistics. Well, you got to do it. And a lot of people don't have this conversation, and then it really goes off the rails because, you know, somebody, they, they don't have this conversation for like six months, and then they see the credit card bill that's $30,000, and they're like, how did this happen? You're like, well, you know that meeting we were supposed to have once a week? We never had it. We never talked about it. So it just kept rolling. Now, that's a very hard conversation. 
If you back that up six or 12 months and you're $300 over here, well, you can start to correct that, can't you? It's a lot harder when you haven't had that check-in all the way over here. So you got to back that up. It's just a check-in. And yeah, some of this stuff is hard. You're like, you know, our kids were way off page this week. What was it? It was like, it's called ice storms. You know, whatever it is for you. But you might talk about a conflict that you've had. Is it, is it healed up? Have you forgiven one another? Uh, were you struggling with, with your in-laws or uh, were, were your ex-laws or, you know, um, your work life? Whatever it is. But you're, you're really there for one another. And so if you'll do, you know, these, these things, they all up to, add up to six hours. Right? Five minutes here, 20 minutes there, date night over here, check in over here. You will stay in love with whoever you're doing that with. You might ask yourself this, when's the last time I spent two hours with God to just enjoy his presence? You stay in love with God if you do that every week. When's the last time you took an hour to be with God and say, where have I really missed it? Where's our relationship broken? What do you need me to do to get right with you? I don't know that I've ever met anybody that spent three hours a week in prayer before the Lord that was really off page in their faith life. Have you? So this is, it works. It just works. But you have to decide in your own heart, do you want it? Is it worth it to you? Are you willing to invest your time, your soul, your will for the things of God, the things of the people that you love, that God loves? It's a really important question. So it takes time. But the other thing is, and you know this, any of you all are married, any of you have kids, they cost you. Right? It's your treasure. And so you have to invest what you value most. That's where you invest, wherever that is. And, and don't be surprised that if you're investing somewhere outside your family, your heart will simply go there. That's how it works, right? Because Jesus says it. Where your treasure is, read this with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just how it works. It, notice that Jesus doesn't say, you know, we want you to put your treasure here, you know, so wherever your heart is, you know, start investing there. No, that's not what he says. He says, this is axiomatic. It is the case. Where your treasure is, whatever that is, that's where your heart goes. He's just telling you how it is in the world. He's giving you reality of the way it is. And so if you want to know what you really value, all you have to do is look at where your money goes and what's on your calendar. That's it. It really is that simple. How much time do you spend here and how much do you give here? And that's what you value. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what other people think. You simply look at the reality of your life. Where am I investing my time and my treasure? And that's what you care about. And then you have to decide, do I want to care about that or... Or is that kind of silly? Because where you spend your money reveals and determines where your heart is. Just the way it is. And so this is where it gets hard for me. Because I know, and you know this too, that if we lived 200 years ago, in some ways this is easier. Our life is harder, but this part is easier. Because we're not as distracted. Right? I mean, we live in an age of distraction. And so it can be really hard to focus and to, and to stay intentionally involved. And so Bob Goff says it this way. I love the way he says it. He says, don't let distractions steal you away from the people you love. Don't let distractions steal you away from the people you love. Has anybody else been at home alone with someone that you love and they've talked to you and you didn't know what they said because you were on your phone? Scrolling. 
Am I the only one that's happened to? Chantel says something, and this is where this is where it's really creepy. She says something, and I'm you know I'm scrolling, I'm responding to this or that, and I look up, and she's not even in the room. I don't even hear it until I stop the distraction, and then I hear her voice. My prayer for you is that we hear God's voice before it's too late, before God has left the room. Now, no, that God will never leave you or forsake you. I'm not, I'm not trying to freak you out about that. But there are moments in our lives where we seem far from God, but God hasn't left us. We're just not paying attention to him. And that may be true for your primary relationship as well. Don't let distractions steal you away from the people that you love. And then I hope that you will grow in your relationship where you actually ask questions of one another. Because in a mature relationship, people can stand to hear the what? The truth. And what does Jesus say about the truth? Set you free. Right? Set you free. And so I, I invite you to ask the questions that Jesus asked. My favorite question that Jesus asked, and he would ask this all the time. You know what he would say to people? There were thousands of people that would come to him. And the, the question that he would say, he would look at them in the eyes and he would say this. What would you like for me to do for you? That's his question. What would you like for me to do for you? When's the last time you looked in the eyes of someone you loved and simply asked them, what would you like for me to do for you today? That takes some courage, doesn't it? Because you know as well as I know that sometimes you have to ask that question and they've told you stuff you do not want to do. So it takes courage to ask that question, doesn't it? But that's what love does. It asks those that we love, what would you like for me to do for you? That's what Jesus says in Mark 10. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. And he did. Again, Dallas Willard would say it like this. Servanthood, man, it is a powerful position to live in. You know, we are the people who follow our Savior who washes feet. Who asks the question, what would you have me do for you today? And so we get to ask God really important questions like, okay, God, what would it look like for me to love you for the next 10 minutes? Just for the next 10 minutes. I, I'm not a super saint. I just, I just want to love you for the next 10 minutes. Will you show me how to do that? And God will show you how to do that. Right? Because, because again, the, the people came to Jesus and they asked and they said, Hey, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, You know this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Right? God's first priority. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Priority two, the other adult in your life. So then you ask the question, well, if, oh, so I'm loving God, and then what would it look like for me to love the person in front of me for the next 10 minutes? When, when you can feel that conversation starting to go off the rails, rather than thinking about you know, this really quick and pithy, cool saying to put them in their place, you might say, God, I'm not doing this very well. Help me love the person in front of me for the next 10 minutes. Help me hang in for another 10 minutes to choose to love them well, to bless them, to be a person who listens and blesses and forgives so that I can stay in love with this person that you've given me, this great gift that you've given me. And you can do it, and God will help you. So, action steps for this week. How you can stay in love, not just today, but all the rest of your life. You can try this. You can even try it here. Like, not right now, that'd be weird. But you, you could do this. Give a six-second kiss to your spouse when you're leaving for the day or you're reuniting for the day, right? 
And so if you all are going to go your different ways to soccer games and dances and stuff, you have my permission to kiss for six seconds in the parking lot. It's good. It's good. And then, because this stuff, again, it doesn't just happen on its own, put five minutes a day in your calendar. I mean, if you don't calendar, it's probably not going to happen, right? So you have to put it in your Google Calendar, and you put it in there, and you say, you know what? I'm going to bless my spouse for five minutes a day. Or, or whoever it is, whoever you want to develop a relationship with, you can just show them admiration, appreciation for five minutes a day. And then probably, I mean, they're all important, but this is one super hard to do for a lot of folks, and that is you actually have to put on your calendar that one-hour truth meeting so you all can be free. You can really be free to live your life because you know you're on page, because you're checking in every week. Like, yep, this is where we are. You know, for a lot of folks, they're digging out of debt, getting out of their student debt, getting out of this debt. And man, is that powerful when you get to cut up one of those credit cards and you're like, yes, celebration. Or, or you get the money that you need for that next vacation and you celebrate, yes, we are on track. We're doing this together. Because those people that you work alongside of, the th- people that you're reaching goals with, you get close to them, don't you? You, you love that. You're excited about that. And you're like, yes, we're doing this together. So I recommend this to you. You now know how to love and to stay in love forever and i pray that by the power of god you will have the spirit and the willingness and the choosing to do it amen amen let's pray together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.